You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for another interview as we once again continue our interview series from actors who are appearing in the three main shows that we're covering here at the Oz Network. Of course, that is Lost, Third Watch, and Nip Tuck. Today, it's a Lost actor, uh, Daniel Roebuck, who of course played Dr. Leslie Arts. Uh, in the season, in, uh, in the series, I should say, across nine different episodes. Uh, I made too sure I had to put the doctor in there, because, uh, as you'll soon find out, I sort of, uh, get slightly told off for not calling him a doctor. But, uh, a great interview. This one is so much fun here. He gives a lot of insight into working on Lost. Great story about Terry O'Quinn in here, uh, working with, uh, Matthew Fox, Evangeline Lilly, uh, and everyone else in between. Also talks a lot about, uh, some of the other stuff he's involved in, uh, video games as well. His very first film, a little film called Cave Girl, uh, as well as uh, working on a current project that he's directing, which is about to get released and wants to get released out here in Australia, and being an action figure and a bobblehead. So, uh, without further ado, my chat with Daniel Roebuck. It's a pleasure to be able to welcome our next guest here to the Oz Network as we continue on our interview series with cast members of shows that we're covering here on the show. But uh, also, not only has this uh, man appeared in Lost, which we're going to talk to him a little bit about today, but he's also an esteemed actor who has appeared in numerous TV shows and movies. Outside of Lost, you might recognise him from The Fugitive, US Marshals, Glee, uh, Grumpy Cats, Christmas, uh, Worst Christmas Ever. I mean, he's been in everything, uh, but we're uh, excited, so excited to welcome Mr. Daniel Roebuck here to the show. Daniel, uh, welcome to the Oz Network today, mate. Uh, sorry to bring up Grumpy Cats, Worst Thank Christmas you. there. <laughs> no, do you know what? I, do you know where I take... I take full responsibility for every every job I've had to take, and and I always, you know, I I, I do like to throw the disclaimer. I have two two beautiful children; uh, they're both in college now. So I I do sometimes make choices as an actor that uh, <laughs> that you know might not be the best in an overall career arch. But the other thing I can tell you is. Uh, I wanted to be in the Grumpy Cat movie because the director was a really smart guy, and uh, I liked the idea of being on a set with a cat that was worth thirty million dollars. Wow, <laughs> that's that, that's a good way of looking at it. Uh, I mean, he'd be the richest cat on earth now. He'd have to be richer than Garfield at the moment, wouldn't he? I mean, God, that's a lot of money for a cat. Got, <laughs> it's a lot of money for a cat, and a very nice cat. Uh, a very nice cat indeed, although he is he is grumpy. He really is a she. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I just did, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, and, uh, you know, and she's really quite quite a lovely little cat, um, although admittedly I'm not a, I'm not a cat guy, but, uh, you know, please don't send in letters. I like, I like so many parts of this planet that we live on, but, you know, cats, they're just, I don't get them. Yeah, especially when they they're grumpy. They don't get me. Yeah, they're just, just they're always grumpy around grumpy. you, Daniel. To you, all cats are grumpy. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. right, maybe <laughs> every cat's grumpy. Then that's, a, that's an excellent point. Yes, Maybe yes. This, this movie was just uh, more autobiographical than I knew. <laughs> uh, good point. <laughs> very good point. Now, uh, I mean, we're obviously here on the show, we're, we're covering Lost from the very beginning. We're uh, at the time of at least recording this, just made it to the end of the second season. Uh, so we're about to see you again in the third season. But uh, Mr. Oh, yeah. Leslie Arts. Now, um, Lost fans are a rabbit I, bunch. I know. <laughs> pardon me, I'm sorry. Doctor. Go for it. 
Doctor Doctor Leslie Arch. Doctor, sorry, right? Yes, you're in character right yeah. now. I, I felt like please uh, you give know, please yes. give me the respect <laughs> that I, I deserve. Yes. I am a doctor. <laughs> doctor Leslie Arts. Um, this character i mean you're only in it for what nine episodes but the fan base the fan community of lost still to this day i mean the show has nearly been off air for 10 years but uh, as we're learning through this show just such a passionate community uh, as i mentioned at the beginning you've been in so many different tv shows and movies over the years but is this one of the ones that you get still recognized to this day and people are just wanting to talk to you about oh no absolutely and in fact i was i was just in buenos aires i was doing a, a movie called Palau about the uh, the amazing uh, South American born evangelist uh, Christian movie about Louis Palau and we shot in in Argentina which is where he was born and uh, I literally stepped off the plane and a guy said Doctor Ars <laughs> and then he spoke no other English but uh, I would say that uh, I was quite impressed with uh, the. The the uh, Argentinian, uh, uh, the, they knew their loss pretty good wherever I went. So I would say, yeah. Do you know what's interesting, Ben? I've had such a varied career, um, and I've had the the good fortune to every ten years end up in something everybody sees. You know, I was in the River's Edge, and then I was in uh, the Fugitive, and then mm-hmm. I was in the Late Shift, and then I was in Lost, and now I'm in Man in the High Castle. So every 10 years of, you know, or so, I end up in this kind of iconic world. It's a real blessing for an actor. Believe me, uh, you know, uh, a lot of actors, uh, I don't know, they, they, they hope for stardom or they hope for something. I never did. I only ever wanted to be a working actor. and I've, I've certainly been blessed enough to achieve that goal. Uh, and to be on a show like Lost with those, you know, that great original cast. I mean, it just doesn't really, it just doesn't really get better than that. I loved going to work there, not only because it was in Hawaii, but I thought the people were all so darn nice. Hmm. And yet such a fun character to play because, I mean, it kind of, you're a character that everyone's meant to hate, but I swear all Lost fans still love Dr. Arts. I mean, I I loved your character and just obviously the iconic way that you literally get blown into pieces. Uh, I mean, I just, I can imagine playing somebody like that, uh, as an actor is a lot of fun. Well, there's, uh, you know, Carlton Cuse, you know, who is, uh, mm-hmm. you, you've got a credit for so much of that great, uh, you know, I did a show called Nash Bridges in which I played, uh, I'd say a similar character in that I was, a uh, you know, a bit of an ass, this character, I was a bit of a, a moron, you know, mm-hmm. and so. It does, I do laugh, I think, you know, that I could just sit, see them sitting around the writer's room. Let's make an, you know, a character everyone hates. Who'd be good for that? Oh, Dan Roebuck, you know. Uh, <laughs> it is hard that I'm the Talk first guy they think of <laughs> for that. And, you know, when they called me, Carlton just called and said, would, you know, would you be on the show? Uh, but I'll tell you, you're going to die in three episodes. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, I mean, he's Carlton Cuse, you know what I mean? Like, if he calls and says you want to be on a show, you're a moron if you say no. <laughs> um, so, you know, I said yes. And then over time, like, I, I mean, when I got there, Ben, I didn't even know, I didn't know anything about Dr. R. They didn't give me a script. I didn't get a script. When I landed, I went to the office and I said, could I have a script? And the, everybody looked at each other and they said no. <laughs> and I, I said, uh, 
Can I have my sides? You know, which are the you know the the, the cuts of your the words you're going to say the scene. And they said uh, they looked at each other and they said no. And I said, well, like you know, I've been doing this for a long time, so unless you can do an interpretive dance of what you want me to perform, <laughs> I don't really know how I can go to work and do the job. So they reluctantly gave me, you know, like one page of that, you know, the monsoon season is bad stuff. Um, and I had no idea who I was. And then uh, I got there and I saw all these, you know, I saw those beautiful people walking around. And I thought, hey, this is pretty good. And then, uh, you know, then the, the makeup man started uh, putting all that muck and dirt and filth on me. <laughs> and, and I was like, I thought everybody looks good. He goes, yeah, everybody but you, brother. Steve Laporte is a Anyway, I took the job. People say, how do you take a job without reading the script? My, my, my standard line is, well, I, I read the plane ticket. It said LAX to Honolulu. So <laughs> that was enough. all the information I needed. <laughs> I almost said, you know, they, it's funny. I, I, I appreciate talking to you. you know, I've been a lot of places in the world. I've never been to Australia. So uh, yet, maybe yet. we can come up with the reason to We do. To we need to get yet. you over here, Daniel. This is I was be positive I would yet. Be, <laughs> yeah, I would be. And I remember years ago, like 25 years ago, they wanted me to audition for a Flipper TV show. And that's when, you know, I just come off the fugitive. I was like, audition for Flipper? Are you out of your mind? Audition <laughs> for Flipper? They said it shoots in Australia. And I was like, I'm in the car. I'm driving down there right now. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them I'm coming. Well, we've got we've got plenty of stuff here you can work on. Uh, you know, I mean, I uh, so, yeah. we we can put you in contact with a, with a bunch of people. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Hugh Jackman now has gone off to America. So you can swap places with Hugh Jackman. Take all his yeah, roles yeah. that he's got. Boy, yeah. boy, how about what a you know what they say? Who the hell made this deal? You're telling me we got this idiot and we had to lose Hugh Jackman? <laughs> just, just you remember, Doctor <laughs> Leslie Arts. Oh, uh, he might, uh, that's fine. That's fine. Oh, Off yeah. you go. <laughs> this guy, they'd be like, this guy looks more like the Wolf Man than the Wolverine, <laughs> for God's sake. We'll, we'll, we'll find, we'll find the Wolf Man. We'll find the Australian version of Wolf Man for you, like Kangaroo Man or something you, like that. <laughs> can I say on behalf of of, of Hugh Jackman? Mm-hmm. Can I just say? Yeah, I saw him do. Uh, uh, he played Peter Allen, another of your another yep. of your, your countrymen, in The Boy from Oz. He, I saw him on Broadway, and I I I had never seen, and I've seen a lot of stuff. I'm a I'm an old guy and a seasoned guy, and I go to a lot of stuff. I had never seen a human being work as hard as he did for those two and a half hours. He sung, he danced. Uh, I ended up going backstage, which is the one thing that's good about being a fourth-rate celebrity. You can kind of get places other people can't. Uh, I met him. He couldn't have. He could have been nicer, and and nobody. I don't watch the Academy Awards, but when they gave the other guy the Oscar for playing Abraham Lincoln, he was like, "I'm Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I could have done that." Yeah. And then the other guy, your guy, sang an entire movie like a cappella. Yeah. And they all give him the Oscar. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. I don't no, want to say it's... I'm hot for you, Jackman, but you know. I, well, look, it's I fine. Know, I, I think you're allowed to be because it's Hugh Jackman. I mean, he—I I swear he's, he's I mean, the one he's, human being that it doesn't matter what sexuality you are; it's just okay. Yeah, you're allowed to. You're okay. Well, that's actually good. Well, then let me admit. Yeah, I am kind of hot for him. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, with you. I, I would uh, think yeah. differently right, if you so weren't. To be honest, Daniel. So I'm glad you yeah, admitted yeah. that. So. You, you, you think less of me. Yeah, yeah, I would. Anyway, I would watch. So I would watch anything I, you're I in completely differently. <laughs> 
Indeed, I know we're supposed to be talking about me, but I do. I one of the greatest things about being an actor is watching other actors. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's such a it's such a weird job. You know, it's it's a stupid job. Like <laughs> like my father of ditches for thirty five, forty years. He he only now. You know, I just directed a a movie which I'd love to talk about before we get off. But sure. um, you know, my father didn't know how hard I worked until he. You know, I shot it in my hometown. So he was, you know, there every day, accidentally ruining every shot. You know, are you guys shooting? Uh, we were cut. Everybody back to one. Dad, Dad, could you stand on the other side of the camera over here? Thanks. Um, but anyway, uh, so I, I mean, we. Uh, so when I see a guy like Hugh Jackman, really work, like what he did in that play was unthinkable. It was like running in place for two and a half hours. Hmm. Any other. Thing. It's yeah, it's it's such a. Um, I mean, I, I I've been to I when one time I was in New York, I did go to a Broadway show, and it's just an incredible thing to kind of see that in person. Because I mean, obviously, as an actor, say when you're going what on TV or movies, you've got the opportunities to hear the word cut, do it again, do it again. But obviously, you know, as you're well, saying, two yeah. and a half hours nonstop. You know, there is no cut, there is no do it again. That that's it. You're on stage. It's you and that audience. So. Um, I mean, I, I admire you guys uh, for the most part. Uh, <laughs> when you're actually good, yeah. like if you know you, you get yeah. by on your looks alone, then I kind of hate you. And I know that's that's you, Daniel. You get by on your looks alone. So sorry that I just admitted I hate you. But um, Thanks. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, uh, I don't. I, I just think it is a weird job, and only now do I have comfort in admitting to it. I used to, you know, and and it's funny because no one expects you to be a working actor. I don't care who you are. Someone sees me on TV every day, and I'm not kidding. They stop me and they go, uh, "Oh, you're that guy? Yeah, you're on TV every day. Yeah, are you still working?" And I'm like, yeah, what, "What did you just start? How did we start this conversation? I'm on TV every day. What do you think? I banked that when I was, you know, 23. Anyway, um, so yeah, what else can I tell you about loss? Not such a nice. Well, I feel like I, I'm, I, I'm, I pull away and I get on these tangents. No, it's, it's the Oz Network. We're, we're kings of doing that. I mean, you're mentioning about kind of, you know, observing other actors and, and sort of that side of things. I mean, the people that you kind of got to obviously do uh, some of your scenes with, I mean, sort of in season one towards the end before you're getting blown up, you know, with, uh, you know, Matthew Fox and people like that, you oh, know, yeah, great yeah. actors. And then obviously later on when you came back for some of the, the flash sideways and the flash forwards and the flashbacks and everything oh. flashing and you obviously got to work closely with uh, Michael Emerson. I mean, these are Michael great Emerson. actors, not to take away from the others that you worked with, but I mean, you know, uh, it must have been a good experience working with uh, people like those in the scenes that you were in. Oh, yeah, and you know what was interesting, Ben? Like, I, you know, I was very taken with Evangeline Lilly. Like, I couldn't, mm. you know, I loved her story. I loved that. I loved that they literally discovered this actress, and she was so, so great. Uh, you know, I like that. Jorge, you know, I spent so much time with Jorge, uh, and, and I do believe uh, I, can, I can claim him as a friend. Uh, uh, you know, I've. Uh, he's he's worked uh, since he narrated a documentary I did. Um, you know, Matthew has a reputation for being a quiet guy, but when you got him to laugh, boy, he loves to laugh. <laughs> um, and it was so so. Imagine how weird it was for them. Like uh, you know, there I was. You know, I I came in. I'm sorry, and I've you know, and I'm. It's not. I didn't keep Terry O'Quinn out on purpose. Terry O'Quinn. I have a special Terry O'Quinn story, but. Um, like that, like 
So they were doing the show, and they were doing their flashbacks and everything. But, you know, I was the first guy that was actually all of a sudden on the island acting like I'd been there all along. Mm-hmm. You know, they had other... So it was weird that I was there at the end, so they were all a little confused by why I was there. I don't know that they got the script in advance. I'm sure they didn't. Um, and, they're, you know, I comment on Bossy. Um, and my favorite thing about Terry O'Quinn is he did a Matlock with us. I was on Matlock three years at a show here with uh, Andy Griffith, who's, you know, our Hugh Jackman, because, <laughs> you know, he used to do Broadway and sing and dance and everything. And um, Terry O'Quinn was a guest star, and he... And I'm not going to say, I'll, you know, he was a very kind of methodical actor. And let's say not overtly gregarious. That's not a missile. I'm just saying he wasn't gregarious. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, oh, yeah, this Terry O'Quinn's on this show. Oh, I'll, I'll see him. And I bumped into him once in Vancouver when we were all at the same hotel. You stay at the same hotel and you always get in the wrong van every morning because there's like five shows. And you're like, are you my guy? No, you're somebody else's guy. But I, Terry O'Quinn, I saw him there, and he, you know, quick hello. So I thought, oh, I'm going to get my normal, you know, quick hello from Terry O'Quinn. And the van pulled up, and I stepped out, and Terry O'Quinn was throwing a football. And he turned around, and he goes, Danny! And he came over, and he hugged me. And I thought, this guy's gone native. <laughs> like, he's he's completely... and. And can I tell you, what a great guy that guy is. Fantastic. Uh, and he did, I think, uh, I think he did relax. And I, you know, I mean, th- that guy is a national treasure. Listen, yeah. you, you just go, go see the movie Stepfather, mm-hmm. even if you don't like horror movies. The guy's, the guy's the real deal. And we all knew that Stepfather was 35 years ago. We were all passing around the VHS saying, Watch this guy. You've never seen anything like this. This is amazing. Hmm. Yeah, big, big Terry um, Quinn fan. I mean, there's, there's really very few actors on the entire series of Lost that I have to say that uh, I am not a fan of. I think it's, uh, you know, so many great actors and so many who were, in, you know, talking about Terry and people like that who were obviously big before they got on the show and several have gone on to big things. You mentioned Evangeline. We're about to see her continuing on being the Wasp. I mean, she's all in the Marvel movies now. I mean, she's doing all that. Um, I'm sad you didn't uh, quite make the role of Ant-Man, Daniel. I'm, I'm sure you auditioned for it. I did um, not see Ant-Man role. I, I did, uh, they, they were like, no, when we went Slugman, we'll call you, <laughs> but we're just, doing, we're just doing Ant-Man right now. Right. Uh, so they asked me that. Leave the audition. Um, yeah. Damn the Paul problem Rudd. is I, I, snuck into, I stuck into the Marvel Universe through the TV show, mm-hmm. and then I died right away. Uh. So I don't know if I'm going to have to fight my way in or wear a mustache or something because <laughs> uh, they're, you know, they're really weird about it. I always think it's so strange. When we were kids, you'd see the same guy on 14 episodes of Bonanza, <laughs> and one week he'd be playing a Mexican guy, and the next week he'd be from Ireland, and nobody gave nobody gave a shit. Yeah, but now yeah. they'd be like, well, you're actually playing this character in the Marvel Universe, so you can't be another character. DC or, Universe, like, Daniel. You- quickly switch switch our comic series. Go over to DC. You could be like, I don't know, Batman's third cousin or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I mean, at the rate they're going, I might eventually get to play Batman. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> there's been like 14 actors who played Batman. True. They eventually, someone's going to go, who's next? 
I often, I, I often do confuse you with Batman. Every time I see you on something, yeah. I'm like, gee, he really yeah. looks like a Bruce Wayne. I can see him playing that. Yeah. I, I'm really right. He really, I could be the hero <laughs> you need me to be. <laughs> wow. I think you we know, just sold some, sold some tickets right there. <laughs> yeah. uh, my brother-in-law worked on all those, those movies. I just always thought that they were, there was a lot of talking in the Batman movies and then, you're like, I kind of like the Batman where they punch each other. Yeah. That's better. Uh, <laughs> just punch I don't like people. the ones where everybody's struck. I don't really give a shit why you're Batman. Just go, <laughs> you know, just go stop crime. I don't, it doesn't, you know, they, these movies, this is the thing. They always want to find the deeper meaning of something. No, people just want, look, they at least figure that out in the Marvel movies. I mean, I can't even tell which one is which anymore because they're like, okay, let's go fight, you know. Uh, I literally just caught up on them all, Daniel. Like, I'd only seen, like, I think two of the Marvel movies. So it was like one of my things at the end of last year. I'm like, I'm going to watch all of these. I'm going to catch up. So by 2018, I I finally get them all. So I think in the space of three weeks, I watched all 300 of them and I feel like I'm finally caught up. I haven't quite made it to the TV series yet. So I haven't seen you in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just yet, but I'll make sure to keep an eye out for you before you die. Yeah, you can keep a, keep, don't, when you see me, do not go into the kitchen to grab a beer. (laughs) Okay. Because I will be gone by the time you come back. Got it. All right. I'll make sure to By see that. By the time you go, hey, honey, here's that guy I had on the team. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, well, that was a shame. Let's put on Lost again. I, I have to ask, though, like, obviously, uh, you a million and one people would ask you all the time about just the way you go out. I mean, how was it filming that scene? Because, I mean, you're basically holding oh, that dynamite, then all of a sudden, boom. How How is an actor, like, at what point do you cut off that line? Because, obviously, they have to, I mean, unless they really blew you up, and I'm speaking to a Daniel Robert ghost right now, but, I mean, uh, credible effects. I mean, how is it that scene, and before you realise, oh, crap, I'm just literally blown, there's a piece of me over here, there's a piece of me on Hurley, uh, you know, at the end of the scene. Oh yeah, so that's a there's a that was a really interesting day uh, because they wanted me to. I actually was holding a stick of dynamite that had a a flash explosion on it, mm-hmm. uh, so it was wired. Uh, it was wired up my arm, down my leg, out my pants, uh, you know, out my shoe, because they they wanted the animators to have a a source of the beginning of the explosion, and so. It was all choreographed that it would be on the certain word. But here's the thing that you got to, I'm going to say that you don't think about this. No one's teaching this in, in the acting school. No one at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art is saying, here's how you stop a sentence in the middle, but you've got to make it look like you're still talking. <laughs> so whatever the words were. And then, you know, everybody had to, nobody was allowed to use a telephone within uh, 100 yards of the set because the, the thing you're wired to is could be set off by someone's cell phone by mistake, right? Mm-hmm. The explosion. So, mm-hmm. so we're waiting to shoot. Now imagine I'm one guy standing all by myself in front of the green screen, and the, the other actors are in the foreground, and I can see the other actors, and I can see the 120 people of the crew, <laughs> and I can see everybody but i'm me right so imagine i'm in the center of the world in this moment and then a cloud comes over the and they're like hold on we're gonna wait for the cloud hold on <laughs> so it's 120 plus me plus the actors 140 people standing waiting 
for the slowest cloud that's ever moved over <laughs> the island of Hawaii and uh, or of Oahu. And we, it was one minute, two minutes, three. Everybody was tense because, you know, I'm wired to this thing. I finally reached into my pocket and I just pulled out my phone, which was off, obviously, at the time. And they're all staring at me and I go, oh, hi, Mom. <laughs> no, nothing exciting. How's everything with you? Just about to get blown up. Uh, what's What's been going on? Yeah. <laughs> nothing. So, so there's a long story, but a funny moment. Um, wow. You know, uh, it's uh, it, it was something I didn't tell anybody, Ben. I didn't. My my wife at the time knew, and uh, my manager and agent knew. And on the day that I blew up, I think there was an article in the TV guide that said I was a series regular in the next year. Wow! And my mom called me like, "Oh my God, how could you not tell me this?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> Mom, just watch the show tonight." Um, you know. So I'll never forget when I exploded, my son, like his body flipped. He was maybe six or five. He was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it was just so funny to watch. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, you know, then they then they became a thing that other people got to explode. But I always got to say I was the first. Yeah. Ben, I want you to think about this as a fan of the series. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want to put in your head. Okay. Do you remember what I what happened right before I exploded? You. I said. Yeah. All sorry. of the stuff. Not. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. It was. I, I. We had that conversation with Hurley where I was saying, "How come you're the ones who are always in charge? Yeah. How come you eat? You you were all starving, but you're not putting on." You're not losing weight. Yep. Like I said, everything that the fans were asking. Yes, that was brilliant. And then they exploded me. Yeah. So I think that the whole purpose was to say F you. Yeah. Like, I, I, but that's the thing that the I fans. absolutely loved about your character and the way it was written, though, was that it was kind of like this meta moment where, you know, you, there was that scene also where you're like basically going like, oh, you know, there are other people. Why is the focus always on you? Why does Kate get the better shelter? <laughs> like, you know, what about the rest of us? It was just like this massive fan service moment, which, uh, yeah, when we did that episode, we, we, we just commended the writing on that episode because it was just so clever. And yeah, exactly right. It's like a, a big F you to the fans. Like, shut up and let us write the damn show. <laughs> yeah, let's just write the show. We are Damon Lindelhoff. We are Carlton Hughes. We don't need your help. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, I mean, you know, the fact is, those are two of the smartest minds, you know, writing in TV and movies, so they didn't need... But, uh, heck, man, it was... Yeah, what a great... What a great time. I, and I have it exactly etched in my brain because I did the first scene and flew home the next day, and my nephews were born the next day. So I know wow. I know that I shot the first scene on March 7th, my nephews were born on March 8th, and then they called me back March 9th. Uh, so I went back, and uh, so whenever I look at my nephews, I think they came in the same week as I shot that first episode. So mm-hmm. I always know exactly how long ago it is. There you go. That's perfect huh? to remember that. And and do you have um, the action figure that they made of you? Did do you end up having a, I do. a copy of that? Brilliant, good. Because we discovered this and we were like thinking, is this legit? They actually made one on Arts, but then we realized oh, it was one of, a no, custom no. made one. It was a custom, and that was made as my like my buddy Jesse Adams made that as a gift 
for me mm-hmm. because I'm a collector of toys and things. He went to that company. They did a, ha- a heck of a job. And I think there's a crazy story. If I remember the story correctly, I was in uh, in New York at a at a Broadway show. I was seeing Dirty Ron Scoundrels. And a, a, a guy is staring at me, and I say hello. And he goes, I can't believe you're standing in front of me. <laughs> and I said, oh, it's nice to meet you. I said, you know, like people say a lot of stuff to you. And I, you know, I said, well, are you enjoying the show? Yeah. Well, I think it was the guy who was sculpting me for the toy. Wow. And while I was in New York, they were searching all over my house for photographs of the back of my head um, <laughs> because he he needed to see what the, how my hair laid on my head, so which he couldn't. He never saw from the back. So then I think I bumped into the guy. I think that's the crazy story. Um, but there is another. So that was a custom doll. Mm-hmm. But there is... Uh, um, they did put out a uh, nodder of Dr. Arst. Right. Okay, uh, like a bobblehead. Yeah, a bobblehead. So okay. there is that. Uh, I have that sitting next to me here. Fantastic. Happily, uh, Happily bobbling. Well, and that's a big deal. <laughs> Happily bobbling. Uh, always agreeing. <laughs> so when I was a kid, uh, Ben, you know, I, I mean, I didn't have a lot of... I, I didn't have a... I, I, I'm not kidding. I never said I'm going to be a movie star. I'm going to win Oscars. I never said that. I just wanted to be an actor. Just really, actually, wanted to be on TV. I didn't know how. I would. My father and mother got me a cardboard television when I was seven. I talked about being on TV so much. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I did eventually get on TV, right? So, but um, all I when I was a kid that what I've been able to achieve, like I've been in Mad Magazine, I've been a toy, a mask, uh, trading cards. Uh, I've been drawn by, you know, Al Hirschfeld and Jack Davis, two of the greatest illustrators. I mean, like, I've achieved all the dreams of the little boy who, you know, wanted to to just, you know, be part of this stuff. So that's that's all good. Right. And when you're on a show like Lost and, you know, people are seeing it too, that's that's even better. I, I have, if your readers, or your readers, uh, if anyone's reading this, uh, <laughs> call good. me because you have some special thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Your listeners, <laughs> I have a, I have a, a story about my bobblehead, if you'd like to hear I it. would love to hear it. We would definitely love to hear about your bobblehead. Because I'm actually, I'm looking at Here's, a picture of your bobblehead right now, so it's not nodding Oh, you, you can though, see it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, tell people to go, let's. Let's buy them all. Buy them all. Help out. Help out the the arts, Dr. Leslie Arts Bobbleheads. Absolutely. Bobbleheads. So when they had uh, uh, the lost auction, Profiles in History uh, did the lost auction, and uh, uh, Sam Fong and Joe Maddaleno are are pals of mine, that company, and so they asked if I would come and, and be part of the auction. So I got to open the auction up, which was very nice. And um, uh, it was cool, but they had it. They really did a good job. They not only had the auction in this big hangar, but they, uh, you know, they set it up nice and lost, uh, you know, people would put out lost products. And so they had the bobbleheads, the first series. And I think in the first series, they had the the doctor from Dharma. Mm -hmm. And I said, now, who who buys that? Gynecologists? (laughs) Who the hell knows? Like, like, I know, like, I'm not bad-mouthing the actor. I'm just saying, like, it looks like a guy in a white smock. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's going to own that? So so I say to them there at uh, the company, Biff Fang Bauer, I say, um, 
why don't you guys do a Dr. Orange bobblehead? <laughs> and they said, well, you know, uh, I mean, Disney has to approve that. We would be into that, uh, but they'd have to approve it. And I said, who'd have to approve it? And he said, well, the lady at the licensing. So I said, um, give me her name. <laughs> Absolutely true story, Ben. Wow. So I called the woman. I didn't say her name out loud because I actually remember what it was because I wrote a character in a play with the same name, so that's how I remember her name. I called this woman, and, uh, you know, her secretary put her through, and she said, I'm saying, who is this? I said, it's Danny Roebuck. She said, Danny, Daniel Roebuck from Lost. Yes. She goes, what, I'm, what can I do for you, Mr. Roebuck? And I said, well, there's this company, and they do these nodders. And uh, I, I, they said, if you said yes, I could be in the next set of nodders. And she, I swear to you, Ben, she goes, you're, you're telling me you want to be a toy? <laughs> and I said, yes. And she said, when people call me, they don't want to be toys. You want to be a toy? <laughs> yes. So that's how I became an otter. I literally went in and, and altered. I, I Kobayashi marooned. I changed the game. <laughs> I went in and I talked them into making an otter of me. Wow. I say by them because... Please God, I hope they sold they sold enough to make it worth their time. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely a, quite a quite a blessing uh, to to. It's just neat. Well, it's, and it's neat that no, it's neat that they just did it. Yeah, you know, that they saw fit to do it. Well, it, I'm looking at them here. What ones they released? Because I mean. I would assume that would be the main crew and kind of, you know, just a few of the side ones. But just quickly looking at here, the ones I've found, they they, they never did a Kate one, um, you know, like, uh, so you were ahead of someone like Kate. Um, who else am I looking at who's not on there? I mean, a bunch of the, the absolute main guys from the, the first few seasons are not on here. Uh, you know, no Saeed, um, you know, so there's, you got star billing well, those are all uh, the, on these bobbleheads. Yeah, heads. those are all the people who called that poor lady and said no. <laughs> said <man."> no. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I just don't, like, it's part of our business, like, I just don't know why, I never know why, I, I hear stories all the time of actors or, they don't want to be a toy or whatever. Like they don't want to be a stuffed doll. Someone's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to be, uh, you know, I knew a guy who turned down being the flash the first time they did it 25 years ago. Cause some agent convinced him, you know, you don't want to be the guy who's known for being the guy in the costume. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, like that's really been bad for Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck and Christian Bale. It's definitely sideline there. Like, why would you like any opportunity as a performer, is part of being a performer. Yeah. So why wouldn't you want those? I'd be the opposite. I'd be the complete. I would just, if I was an actor, I, that would be my goal, was to be some sort of person that got a figurine. I think that'd be the coolest thing ever to say, hey, they made a toy out <laughs> right, of me. I mean, that's me. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, like, I mean, it is something, like, uh, it's, it's behind. Like, my family thinks I'm nutty, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, again, I'm not a, I'm not an actor because I'm, trained sesbionic artist i just like movies and tv Mm. so i wanted to be an actor Mm -hmm. and god you know it turns out uh in his infinite wisdom he gave me a very specific gift and allowed me uh the means to that end however what i what i say all the time is you know there was no point in my life then where i i digressed to uh another path I just stuck with it. 
you know, and I did theater, and then I learned how to be a director, and then I, I, you know, I didn't know how to be a film actor. They gave me the first film I ever did. I was deleted the movie. I had to learn how to be a film actor, you know, on someone else's dime. Mm. And then the second movie I did was River's Edge. So I went from some teenage sex comedy called Cave Girl to River's Edge. And your listeners should look up, by the way, don't look up Cave Girl, because <laughs> you'll never forgive me. But uh, they, they can find Cave Girl... A Second Journey Back in Time, okay, which is a documentary that's quite funny about the making of Cave Girl. Okay. And so better than it's, Cave Girl. It's very rare. Yeah, I, yeah, with all due respect to the makers of Cave Girl, <laughs> uh, I would say a resounding yeah. Okay, good. Because I, I only, I could be funny in 40 minutes. They had an hour and a half, so... <laughs> The three jokes, let's say. <laughs> you know, Cave Girl is a teenage sex comedy, and you'll see, I say in the documentary, I go, you know, it was a bit of a, an oddity. It was a teenage sex comedy, but none of us were teenagers. There was no sex, and it's not really funny. Right. So um, it just, you know, it misfired on every cylinder, but without it, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Well, so, well I'm, re I'm reading it. I'm case. reading the synopsis here. I'm intrigued, actually. The film tells the story of a clumsy high school boy named Rex, Daniel Roebuck, who gets lost in a cave while on a class excursion. A crystal opens a time portal and sends him back into caveman times. There he meets smoking hot Eber, is it? Uh, the it follow as Rex tries to get Eber to sleep with him. Oh, fun for the whole yep. family. Uh <laughs> Can you imagine the, the nuns the nuns who helped raise me through St. Anne's and Bethlehem Catholic, they must have been so proud. How did your mum react to that? Been... Mum, I'm going to be in a movie. Oh, what's it about, dear? Uh... Yeah. Well, my, did you say nun or mom? My uh, mom. 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 I'd love to know what your mum thought yeah, of that. Yeah, mom, you know, mom, mom was very happy for me. The nuns honestly were happy for me, too. They, they didn't, they didn't mind. Um, but, uh, you know, like, what do you want to be in a teenage sex comedy or be the, the murderous killer in the next movie. True, true, um, yeah. But uh, you know, none of it's none of it's pleasant. If mm. you're a character guy, the chances that you get to be someone pleasant are, you know, you're usually the killer, the killed, you know, the rapist, the raped. You know, there's there's you usually <laughs> are are the perpetrator or the victim, but you're rarely the guy who solves a crime, except for those few years I spent on Matlock. Well, I, I definitely think, and this is something that we like to do during each of our episodes when we're kind of, you know, talking about the side uh, actors and things like that, is to, to get people to look at just kind of the things that you are in. Because, I mean, definitely you have one of these faces, like, oh, I know him, he's in that, he's in that. You, you jump onto IMDb, you realise, you know, the 300 things we know you from. And, I mean, the ones that, you know... I'm a particular fan of yours, and I mentioned The Fugitive and U.S. Marshals. I love both those films. Um, you were in Money Talks, a bit of a uh, movie that I haven't seen in ages, but I really do enjoy that. Uh, the Cody Banks films, uh, you know, <laughs> the esteemed yeah. Cody Banks movies. Uh, but the, the ones, the, the one actually that uh, I'd be intrigued to hear a little bit of a story about, because I, I also then, before we let you go, I want to hear you talk about this project you just mentioned. Uh, you were in the video game L.A. Noir. Now... Did you, was yeah, this oh, yeah. based on, because that was the whole motion capture, wasn't it, that that Rockstar had all yeah. that fancy technology, and it's been a while since I've played the game, so I, I sadly can't say I remember your character, Daniel, but were you fully motion captured, and kind of what was that experience oh, like working yeah, in a yeah. video game? Yeah, that's like nothing you've ever done, and honestly, uh, in in that instance, it wasn't as freeing as it could be, because um, they were using that very 
you know, whatever that, that magical secret sauce technology that they had, where they filmed us, but we were, we had to be filmed as we were asked to lie in character and tell the truth in character Mm -hmm. and to alter your, you know, they were trusting that the actors could figure that out. But so when they motion captured us for LA Noir, we motion captured our bodies and then they did our heads separately. And when they did your head, you were, you were literally tied to a chair like Malcolm McDowell in Clockwork Orange and you were strapped into a chair and you faced only forward and these, you know, 140 cameras filmed your entire head wow. while you acted. Wow. Uh, but you couldn't move. Uh, in I did another video game, uh, Dead Rising 3. I'm one of the main characters in that. I'm Gary in that. Um, and that was much more interesting because in that one, they slaved the cameras to our heads, and then they put us in the body suits, and then we uh, they animated the characters to our faces. Wow. So when you... See the guy, Gary in Dead Rising Three. You see and hear me doing a character, obviously, but you also he also moves like I move. It's really like you know, I mean, freeing. And we had a very good directors on those shows who who wanted us to be like in in that uh, Dead Rising Three. You know, the the guy was like, "Give it to me. I wanted Shakespearean, you know, so <laughs> you could chew the scenery a little." Wow. Um, and and not worry about your costume or your makeup or anything because none of it was uh, none of it mattered. Wow, it's it's. I mean, that's another thing that I would say as an actor. Uh, I think the ticking of the boxes to me would be being in a, a franchise and where like you've at least got a cult fan following somehow, whether it's TV or films. Having a toy and being in a video game, they would be the ones that I would tick off. Yeah. But as an actor, made it boom. There we go. <laughs> well, think about this, if I could just say quickly, like, imagine I've been in L.A. for 35 years. Mm-hmm. So in the in the way that, that the, I actually, you know, not just the video games, video games, let's say uh, Man in the High Castle. Man in the High Castle is actually broadcast on a, on a device that didn't exist when I became an actor. Yeah, so crazy. This is like if I would have come to Los Angeles in 1900 and then... Someone said they're doing these movies. So in 1912, I start doing movies, and then they put sound on them in 1925, and then they make them color in 1929. And then, you know, in 30 years, what you all you could do is act on a stage, and 30 years later, you could be a movie star. Yeah. So that's kind of what's happened in the same amount of time. It's really kind of breathtaking. So I and I love. I'm like Ben. You're right, man. Every I, there's nothing I turn down, no opportunity, because I this is all I've ever wanted to do. Like when you were in the video games, you know, you're Mike TV, you're you're in Willy Wonka's studio, mm-hmm. and you're you're like get transported through onto a computer. I mean, it's crazy. And then La Noire, it's like Tron, like the character turns around, and you're like, oh my god, that's me. Yeah, uh, I play. I play, they chased me through a big movie set. I'm a, I think a child killer or something. Oh, so I remember that mission, movie. actually. Yeah, yeah, actually. Now that you mentioned that one, because that was a hard bloody mission. Can I just say that? <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, you ran through the, the set of Intolerance. The yeah. Big, the huge set. Uh, 
but you know, feel feel free to shoot me because I am not a good person. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. I, I don't, Everyone I don't out there, if you've ever wanted to shoot Doctor Arts, just get yourself a copy of LA yeah. Noir. You you got yourself a, yeah. a game. <laughs> have at it. Yeah, have at it. Now, um, um, you mentioned what? a project that you were you were involved in uh, before. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, and also what else you're up to. I mean, obviously, the man with the high castle going great guns uh, still involved in that. The new series of that comes out later this year, or does that have a release date? Can you tell us that? I don't know if it's no, been it announced yet. Or I can't. You know, I'm uh, the, the my character won't be in the next season. I think people should still watch it because it's a great show. Uh, but if you're looking for me. What you should do is you should go to your computers right now. You should type in gettinggracethemovie.com. Mm-hmm. That's gettinggracethemovie.com. Uh, and this is a movie that I co-wrote, produced, directed, and acted in. And uh, it's a little... It's a, it's a movie that we made in my hometown in Pennsylvania, which is in the northeast part of our country. And... Uh, this little movie that I've been working on for nine years is going to be out nationwide on March 23rd. Beautiful. Uh, and then I, I pray and hope available soon to to the folks in Australia as well. Fantastic. It's a beautiful story. I can't take credit for the story, so that's why I can say it's beautiful. Um, and a great writer named Jeff Lewis wrote this, this story about a teenage girl who's dying who goes into a funeral home to find out what's going to happen after she dies. And she ends up teaching the funeral director how to celebrate his life. Right. Because uh, he's uh, had an event in his own past that shut him down. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I ended up rewriting the script and uh, seeing it to fruition. And it's just amazing to think that it's, it's, it's actually going to, it's, you know, that's a big deal for a guy like me. So I've, now I've gone full circle because I actually went to the town where I dreamt of being an actor and I acted there. Fantastic. Really come full circle there. Good to hear. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the website. We'll tag this on our uh, our post of this interview for people to uh, oh, that would to be check it out. Question, but, uh, yeah, definitely get it distributed in Australia because uh, I think we, we'd definitely love to see this. I mean, how, how do you – is that, is that a, a thing that making a film like this, it's, it's easy to get distributed internationally or does that come down to studios picking it up? How does that actually work? Well, it's so funny because you would have – you'd think that making the movie – uh, you think that funding the movie is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And it's really turned out this movie wanted to be made. And I'm not saying funding a movie is easy because it's certainly not. But I, I literally sat down with a man on an airplane and we talked for one hour and he ended up being my main investor. Wow. Because God just wanted this movie made. I'm not just saying that. It's a, It's got to be a fact. So uh, getting the movie, making the movie was the easiest part because... Uh, although I haven't directed a movie, I've you know been in I don't know what two hundred, one hundred. I I know how to direct. I direct theater. I know how to move the camera around, and I had the greatest DP ever, who just happens to be my brother-in-law, Corey Garriak, shoot the thing. So I knew it would look great. I had a sense that I could get the actors. We chose this, our beautiful hometown, and we found great actors in the area. Fantastic. So I had I thought that would be hard. No, getting the movie distributed hardest <laughs> part. So. To get it into Australia, you know, we're still, uh, anybody listening, they can call, like, find me. Uh, we're still, we don't have a, an international uh, distributor yet, but we are uh, coming out here, and then 
will be out on Sony Home Pictures Home Entertainment. So maybe Sony would want to take it out internationally. Uh, I think they, you know, they'll wait to see how we do theatrically. But I'll tell you, the movie, there's something about it. People, when they see, you know, because it's really an uplifting film about, you know, how you approach life every day. Because, Ben, we all know we're going to die. I mean, what a funny thing to, I can put, make it full circle. When Carlton Hughes called me, I knew the character would be dead. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about loss. I didn't know that I'd be able to resurface in flash-forward, sideways flashbacks. Uh, but in our lives, we all know we're going to die. That's inevitable. Uh, that's the one thing we can count on, all kidding aside. So, you know, how do you live your life celebrating it every day is what this movie's about. And, you know, whatever... Our, our, our girl in the movie knows she's going to die sooner than I do, but I could die sooner than her, you know? Mm. So uh, the point is that, like, that's why I'm, you know, as an actor, I'm, I'm the happiest guy in the world because everything I ever dreamt of has happened. And uh, you can't ask for more than that. Fantastic. And now, now the time is, you know, I mentor actors, uh, these films that I'm trying to make are making, and the next one we're going to make is called The Hail Mary, and it's another story of redemption. Um, I'm trying to just make the world a little better because the world's been good to me here. So uh, how do I say thank you? You know, yeah. we just got to make it better. Positive words there. I like that, Daniel. That's uh, a lot more positive than uh, I ever thought somebody who played uh, Dr. Leslie Arts would ever be able to say on this show. So uh, <laughs> that uh, yeah, <laughs> your bobblehead uh, is rubbing off on you. It's nodding up and down. It's really affecting. It's, it's, it's nodding working. up and down. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very I, positive, very positive bobblehead. Yes. I, mean, I never understand Ben when people get everything they dream of and they're still not happy. Yeah. Uh, and I see you think of back to Willy Wonka that great line that the the screenwriter wrote, and there's a famous story about how they didn't have the last line and they found the guy on a camping trip and he was at the only phone on the top of a tree and they said, we need a line, a last line, and he came back and he said that line, do you ever hear, remember the story about the little boy who got everything he ever dreamed of? He lived happily ever after. Mm. That's me. Mm-hmm. Good way to end it. Uh, fantastic. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us here on the show today, mate. Such a absolute pleasure. As I said, we'll uh, tag gettinggracethemovie.com on our site for people to check it out. And uh, by all means, oh, best please. of luck with uh, that. Hopefully we see it here in Australia. And if you're ever here, bring it out here. If you get the distributor, have the red carpet. We'll uh, make sure that we rock up, say good day, and uh, oh, I'll buy your beer be- afterwards. What 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 town are you in, Ben? I am in the uh, beautiful city of Hobart. So we're on the little island uh, called Hobart. Tasmania, which is a little one under the big one. You can't miss it if you uh, if you look at a map of it. I got you. Well, I would love to meet you in person, and please, when you tag, also tag the Getting Grace Facebook and the Daniel Robot Facebook. That would be lovely. <laughs> It'll be a pleasure for Daniel to join us on the show today. Thank you so much for his time and for his management for arranging that interview today. A lot of fun, and we hope that you had as much fun listening as we had recording it. If you missed any of our other interviews with any other Lost actors, Third Watch actors, Nip Tuck actors, make sure you jump online, and you can find them all on there on theoznetwork.net, on our social media pages as well, and stay tuned for further interviews still to come in the coming weeks as we uh, give you a bit of a taste of behind-the-scenes stuff from the shows that we know that you 
you are enjoying. Remember as well, subscribe to us. We are on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. Give us feedback while you're there. We would appreciate it. And as always, we appreciate you listening to the Oz Network today. My name is Ben. This has been the Oz Network. We will speak to you next time, wherever you are listening to us from. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.